this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Yes, it's 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 hefty. Joshua 7 is where we're going to start, but um, first I'm going to just open up in prayer. Can I open up in prayer? Okay. <sighs> Father, I just welcome you. I thank you for the praise and the worship that went forth, and we just glorify your name today. Um, I thank you for every heart here who you've called to be here, and just uh, your word that uh, resides in this house. Um I trust you as I open my mouth that your spirit would speak through me and uh, give the people everything they need so that we can move forward into victory, into the glorious promised land and things that you have uh, ordained for us to possess. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You going to do stickers? Um, so I love the book of Joshua. Because I'm a results-oriented person. I am very big on, Rebecca knows, I'm very big on cutting to the chase, get to the results, you know, possess, authority. That's all the book of Joshua because uh, in context, uh, the book of Exodus is all about after the people are brought out of Egypt, they're wandering for 40 years. God had promised them that he would take them into the promised land, but because of their disobedience, it was literally, if you look on a map, a straight shot into the promised land, and they almost got there, but because they did not obey the Lord, he could not take them into what he promised them, and they wandered around the circle for the next 40 years because all of the disobedient people who didn't believe him died, and then their offspring were like, we're ready to get out of the promised land. Or we're ready to get out of the wilderness. Let's get into the promised land. <laughs> and so Joshua is leading the new generation of people who were raised in the, the wilderness and are like, let's go. We've been hearing about this for a while. So uh, many of you probably know the story of the Battle of Jericho. That's the first place that God has his people take. Um, and he says, march around this building seven times. And... God does it. They don't do anything. They just march in obedience. The walls come down. They take and possess uh, the land. And everything he said that they would conquer and overcome, he does. So that's what happens right before this. Um, We're in Joshua 7. So we're talking about the very next battle after Jericho. So... They've gone into the promised land. They've left the wilderness. The Jordan River was parted. All these miracles are happening. Jericho falls. So they're all like, yeah, praise God. They're probably on a total spiritual high. Um, Takiya, are you reading? Do you mind? And we'll jump around a little bit because we are going to read through this. And bear with me because... I just would love to, if you could take a moment as she's reading to just picture this story. Like, this is a story. So just take it in like a story, like what's happening. Visualize you're there. um, And then we will talk about it, and then we'll go to 8. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these delicate dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Uh, Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the land of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, 
Don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were suddenly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down from the slope, or down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of the Israelites. Stop right there, sorry. The ones that stop, so. Um, we'll just revisit this really quickly. So they were on a total spiritual high. God was doing so many miracles. This little town, AI, can you, Billy, pull up really quickly the name of AI and what it means? Um, or if anybody can find it, but it's. Uh, I mean, what do you have it? Greek, uh, What's the name of this town that's beating up the Israelites? Heap of Ruins. AI's name of the city is Heap of Ruins. So in their name, they're already called a Heap of Ruins. It's already been spoken that the city is going down. And so, again, I don't think Joshua is prideful or haughty. He's just like, oh, we don't, like, we can handle this. We don't need everybody to go up. Let's just send a few thousand people. And they get defeated. They are really embarrassed. Um, I don't think anybody was killed in the, the other battle that was like against Jericho. 36 men are killed here. And so, um, let's see. So, the other thing I wanted to point out, the Israelites were paralyzed with fear and their courage melted away. So I don't know if there's any time in our lives where God may do something and we're like, oh, wow, like, the Lord is here. It's awesome. And we're believing and we're trusting him. And then all of a sudden something happens and everything we were trusting from for him, like, evaporates. So that's what they're going through right now. Okay. You want to keep reading? Verse 6. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? So what does this sound like? Has anyone ever sounded like this? Lord, why did you make promises in my life? I'm like, oh, you told me that I would have this and that and that these riches or, or my calling would be amazing and I'm totally in the opposite direction and uh, it would have been better if I just didn't even dream in the first place. Yes. I'm so, am I disobedient? What am I doing wrong? And, and oh, now I'm backwards and, and things were so much better even before this all happened. Before you even spoke into my life or showed me how much you had great plans for me. Anyone? Mm -hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, what? Oh, no, you can't. Verse 10. But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying your why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that you were set apart for destruction. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Verse 13. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Thank you. So, this is what the Lord, God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O TQFM, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. What does it mean about things set apart for the Lord? Billy, do you have the key blue? Verse 13. The Hebrew word is the word harem. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. I tried to really look into this um, because in, in he, ancient Hebrew culture, it was a very important word. Uh, a cursed thing. Oh, yeah, any of those. The accursed thing. Uh, 2764. Harem. So the first definition, which is really interesting, is a throwing of the net to capture fish, animals, or men. Then it's to capture something that is dedicated for something special. And then it's also to capture something to destroy it. Destroy, devote, accursed, consecrate. So another time Harem shows up is when Saul is supposed to, um, is, is crowned king, the first king of Israel, and he is supposed to harem, I think the Amalekites? Thank you. And uh, Samuel comes and says, why didn't you do what God said? And because he didn't destroy everything God told him to destroy, he, he said the kingdom is removed from you and King David is raised up instead. This is not about genocide. This is not about wiping out a whole nation. Again, this is all, that's all Old Testament. Obviously, that's not what we walk in today. But the word haram, what the Lord showed me about that for us, is there are things that he has called us to devote to him alone. Um, that are, are banned, not because, again, he, he likes to make a bunch of rules, but because they're going to harm us and they're going to hinder him from moving forward. So that's why with Jericho, those people and those things would intermingle with the Jews and it would have hindered his plan from moving forward in giving them the promised land. So like a net, it's something that is caught and separated from other things. So I asked, Lord, what do we have that is harem here in TQFM? And what he told me is our own ideas, fear of the unknown, criticism, and judgment and self of self and others. And now this goes pretty much back to what um, Shandlin brought when she was flown out here to give a word that God gave her about this house. Um, and... Obviously, also, I just wanted to, to clarify, if you're a visitor here, I'm talking specifically about some of the things that we as a church have been walking through, but I'm sure God has something to show that he has desired for you to set apart for him. So in this house, what Shandlin came to talk to us about, and if you were not there and if you have not heard it, I think it's very important and highly encourage anyone who considers themselves as a permanent member of this church to listen to that. Um, did we ever send that, that prophecy? It's posted. So we will repost it. I would like everybody to please read it or listen to her message um, before the new year. If you are a leader, I'm going to boldly say that that's going to be a requirement. Uh, secondly, there's another message that... Um, you know, I think even Emma Starks talks about criticism in the church. And we will send that as well. And we'll ask that you please take a minute to listen to that. Again, this is not about people. This isn't about pointing fingers. This is about a spirit. 
uh, something that the enemy has brought into this church and into many churches to destroy it because when a kingdom is divided, it cannot stand. So this isn't, this isn't about anybody. This isn't about being, being at fault, but this is about not allowing that spirit of criticism to remain or exist or be destroyed in one area and appear in another. Um, you know, it's, it's a very tricky thing. And so this is one of the major things the Lord has put on my heart to lovingly and firmly share with this church that this has to go in order for us to be victorious. And anything that Pastor was saying earlier about provision, in the dreams and visions he shared with this church about being a light to many, to growing, um, to, to really changing this city, that can't stand, period. Um, a couple of areas that I want to show that he mentions um, the, the counter to this spirit in scripture. So Exodus 20, 12, could we pull that up really quickly? Exodus 20:12. To give a little bit more context, if you know nothing about this church, we are a church that believes in the power of hearing God and connecting with him in the spirit and teaching and equipping others to hear God for themselves as well. So as pastor said, she's a word prophet, and I came here 14 years ago. She just blasted my entire life in front of me, in front of a room full of people, so we're very used to it. Um, and there are many other people in this room who can do the same, which is why we are having this message today. Um, but I just want to, yeah, I just want to say that you're welcome. Um, there is no judgment in this house. We, the, the Lord just kept reminding me, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. We may all look like we have our act together and we all come to church every Sunday, but we are all mess. And we are only here because we all need Jesus. <laughs> and so I want to come against condemnation even now and say it does not have a place in this message. I spent many years listening to the spirit of condemnation and trying to listen to a message and be like, oh, that's me, I'm not good enough, or whatever. And I'm not, when the Lord has me speaking firmly about this or anything, it's not about things that we have to go home, this is to the entire congregation, things that we have to go home and work on and try to improve ourselves. Um, because we'll always fall short. <laughs> we're just, what is it? We're, we're made of dust. Like, we're just, we're imperfect people. Uh, thankfully, we live in the New Testament, in a new covenant with Jesus, where we're not righteous because we work really hard to be good people. We are terrible sinners, and he is righteous. He died on the cross with all of that so that we might have an exchange and walk away free. And so the only reason why uh, he's giving this message as well and, and um, he corrects those he loves because he wants us free. He wants us to set aside this nasty stuff that is not, again, a lot of it is generational in all of us. And it's things that the enemy, Satan, has sown into families and people because he wants us to destroy ourselves. And so it's not something to look at ourselves and be like, Oh, woe is me. It's like, we got to fight. we got to know our enemy. Amen. And so, if I'm speaking in firmness here, it's not for you to beat yourself up. It is to kick that spirit out. We are not in agreement with criticism, with judgment, um, with condemnation. And so, the one thing the Lord wants me to say to you, guests, and to everyone, um, veterans, is that he loves you. And I think we don't hear that enough. Uh, he just said, tell them I love them. And so if you can take that in even now, that your Father, your Heavenly Father, who is perfect, loves you and resides on the inside of you and wants to dwell in you and make a home there. Like, he could be anywhere. But he wants to be with you and he wants to be with us and he wants to do amazing things through this church. Because 
it's wonderful the way God uses Pastor Kathy to bless people who walk in the door. But he has that on the inside of us as well. And we are a powerhouse. And so, but we can't think that he's going to use us and bless us and do all these things if we allow spirits to remain. Because we do have a choice. And so we can choose to harangue, to set aside these areas for destruction and give them devoted to the Lord and allow him to handle it. Amen? Okay. So we're talking about the opposite of criticism, which is honor. And I will say really quickly that this was drilled into me as a child because my father was all about manners, 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 manners. Respect your elders, respect your parents, respect people, make a great impression because otherwise it'll look bad on us. Um, mind you, he was a little intense about it, and so he definitely wasn't perfect. <laughs> um, but with that, the Lord has shown me in the areas where that wisdom was correct. Um, it may be considered old school or old knocks, but it is biblical. So we're going to look at that really quickly. Verse 12 in Exodus says, Honor your mother and father, then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God has given you. Again, that's Old Testament, which was before Jesus. So it was like, if you do this, you'll get blessed. If you do this, you get cursed. We live in a place where if we rely on Jesus, we're blessed. Period. But this is still a true saying in the sense that God loves people who honor their parents, their, their heads of authority, even when they are imperfect, as every parent is. Um, and so I think all of us can, can look at that and, and meditate on that and allow God in that area to, to help us to honor our parents. The next verse is Ephesians 5.24. Um, is Pastor still here? There's, oh, hi. There's one thing I, I, I believe the Lord told me to share to people who have been here for a, a long time. Um, pastor's husband, Glenn. I don't know how many of you have actually met him. He's, he's one, I love him. He's a wonderful guy. He's a little hard knocks. And back in the day when we were even smaller than this, we would gather at Pastor Kathy's house. And um, Glenn was much more active in, in the congregation at that time. Um, but he tends to have a little bit of a temper and may have offended people or may have come off in a way that, that felt difficult to deal with him, but really what he was asking for was honor and respect. And again, growing up with a dad who was kind of similar to Glenn, I got it, and I was like, oh, he just doesn't want people to come raid his fridge without asking. <laughs> you know, and like, it's his house. Like, he wants to sit in his seat. Let him sit in his seat. You guys take another seat. And so if someone is abrasive in the way they're, they're asking for your respect, sometimes we have fallen short in taking offense. And, and I think we've even done that with Pastor's husband, which I repent for, and, and I, I pray we, we change our ways in how we welcome him and approach him because uh, he is the pastor's husband and, and does deserve that honor and that respect. So Ephesians. <clears throat> for husbands, this means... Oh, wives. We'll start there. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Ephesians, yeah. Uh, 5. Oh, thank you. Yes, 522. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body. Not the husband. Jesus. Uh, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. 
He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Again, this may seem very old school, and um, I think for the women in this church, when it says, submit to your husband, you're like, I don't want to submit to my husband. But really what that is when I ask the Lord about that, it's respect. It just means respect. Especially, you know, and these are generalizations, but a man desires respect. And so you can disagree with him. You can say, hey, I don't think that's the best way to go. But, but it's important to respect and honor. Um, that's all they're asking for, is for you to listen and honor and respect them in that way. And that is holy unto God, is to show them respect. In the same way, um, loving, husbands loving your wives, that's, that's a form of respect. Uh, I, I heard someone say it before that, like, I think it's easy for husbands to submit to their wives because they're like, all right, whatever you want. You want to take the kids, you want to do that, you want to do that, fine. You know, like, <laughs> to, to listen because we have a lot of opinions as wives often. And so um, to submit is a little easier, but to love and to cherish, that is what many women are built to desire. And so when we're cherished and we're loved and we're respected and honored in that way, that is pleasing unto God. In the same way, women, I think we... It's easier to love our husbands, um, but harder to respect and submit because we tend to know and think we know a lot more than they do. <laughs> Did you want to add something, Pastor? Very much so. And so I sit here because I used to struggle with this scripture. And what the Lord brought me into an understanding, he said, because if you can't do this, how are you going to do the stuff in my house? Exactly. We're starting with the basics. Because how do I respect and love him? Because if my husband says something to me and I don't agree, I won't do it. But the same thing goes if my Lord says something to me. If I don't agree, I'm not going to do it. So this is about practicing good behavior. Because if you have the good behavior and the discipline, hear me, you'll be disciplined in the house of God. Okay. And then the last scripture about honor I want to talk about is 1 Thessalonians 5.12. So we talked about mothers and fathers, wives and husbands. Five, yep. Starting in verse 12. This one's for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting back. Maybe I need to sit up here. Yeah, but I you was should. sitting back and, uh, and as I walked back to my seat, because he talked about place of honor and discipline, but he also said to me something that was so funny that made me stop to come back. He said, when you understand this, you'll stop making excuses. Do you get it? You'll stop making excuses. Well, if they didn't do it, well, I got to do it. And they don't have to do it, then I don't have to. And that's why it's so important that parents are the example in the house because they truly, children truly follow your ways. Again, this is to the entire congregation here today. We're binding up the spirit of condemnation. It does not have its place. It does not have a way in this message. And I'm going to shut it down and cast it out in Jesus' name. Okay. First Thessalonians, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Raise your hand if you think Pastor Kathy works hard among us. Okay, thank you. Uh, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. That is in the New Testament. So that is not something to be like, oh, that's Old Testament, I'm in the New. Um, this is really important to God. And this is something that is, I would say, an epidemic across all many, many, many church congregations, which is honoring your pastor, honoring your leaders, and showing them respect. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say. Um, I think I 
love for the 14 years or 15, whatever, that I've been here, Pastor has always said that you don't have to, you don't have to agree with everything I say, take it to God. She's always about teaching us to hear for ourselves so that we don't pull on her and rely on her. But I think sometimes we rely on her in so many ways that she disappoints us. And so then we get an offense. And again, this is about a spirit that is prevalent in our childhood, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, with our bosses. And so this is just another area that that spirit likes to try to wreak havoc, especially in God's house, which is what I'm saying, no more. We're not going to allow this spirit to continue. So that means if you have an offense with pastor, it is important to prayerfully find how to present that to her. Um, the Bible says, and I'm not going to pull it up, but it says, if you have all with a brother or sister in Christ, don't go continue to give your offering on the altar. Leave your offering to the Lord and go repair things with your brother or sister. So it doesn't mean you have to just agree with whatever a leader in this household says. And that, well, they offended me and I just have to deal with it because they're supreme you know, authority. It's important to lovingly and respectfully with honor and fear and trembling, God says, consider how to make sure if you're going to remain in this house, you repair Amen. with your leader, with the leaders, with each other, because the word of God also says that we're all many gods. He made us all in each other in his image. And so we are kings and queens in the kingdom here. We all have spiritual authority. And the word says, don't touch the head of his anointed. We are in a house full of anointed people. <laughs> Even the guests that just walked in. He has you here for a purpose and, and you are anointed. And so we need to be careful and mindful how we treat God's anointed, beloved daughters and brothers and, and daughters and sons. Does that understand? Yes. So if we hear that spirit try to speak out in this household, whether it's openly, whether it's a side conversation, whether it's about pastor, whether it's about um, another leader, whether it's about anybody else in this congregation, we're going to say no to that spirit. That doesn't mean we ostracize anybody or we, we come against the person. It's a spirit. And so we got to lovingly lean to the Holy Spirit how to shut that spirit down and say, no, this is not going to stand because we're going into the promised land and we're going to defeat AI. <laughs> we're not going to let a heap of ruins destroy us, which the firm word of the Lord is that that is what will happen if we allow this spirit to continue in this house. Yes, Pastor. And it's so important that when you recognize the spirit, you deal with the spirit. But you don't recognize when you recognize it, you don't turn around and say, oh, it's connected with this, and this is this, and this is that. Because if you're connecting spirit, and the Lord gave me the word trauma, trauma has to do with something that's consistently going forward. Do you hear me? It's consistently going forward. That means it is an area that continues to have a tear. And that means that that person hasn't surrendered that tear to God to bend. So every time something hits that person, it brings forth that same tear. So this never healed. This never gets restored. And, and how we end up in that place is if I'm offended, then I embrace the spirit of offense. But then I embrace rejection. I embrace unforgiveness. I embrace all of these. And I'm literally saying, come in and wreak habit on the inside. And then so when somebody comes to try to deal with the issue, to try to bring you out of it, it becomes such a strong hurt that you say, oh, 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 oh. I can't handle this. And that's where the trauma comes from. And so in that place, the Holy
Holy Spirit is literally saying, let me know. Let me know. And so we offer our vessels to God because he's the healer. We can't heal ourselves. Medication can't heal. Doctors can't heal. They can tell us what's wrong, but they can't heal us. God's the healer. So hear what the Spirit of the Lord say. When you feel something, you literally say, Lord, what is this? And then you ask God for instructions on how to deal with it. But always look at your agreement with God. And get out of agreement with anything that's trying to tear you apart. That is simply by saying, Lord, I need But my partnership with whatever it is, help me. And if you don't know how to remember that, I learned just to say help. Oh, what this is. Help me. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And. Oh, what did I say? What did I say? Offense feels good. A lot of times it feels good to, to be offended and just to think that someone did me wrong and they deserve to suffer my wrath. <laughs> Even if it's silently on the inside. But it's not destroying them, it's eating me. And it's okay to be offended. It is okay to be angry. It is, it's emotional, like you can't, that's the opposite, is I don't want people to hear this message and be like, well I shouldn't be offended and I just need to deal with it. And it's like, no, it, that offense happened, people are not perfect, and especially the message to the, the veterans of this congregation is, we all come from a lot of different backgrounds. I think, I tell people the only reason we're all friends is because of Jesus. <laughs> and that's the way, and that's what I think is beautiful about this church because we don't look like each other. If it's a worldly church, they all look alike. They all got the same haircut, they all got the same race, the same, you know, and, and they all look like the pastor. But we all are, are so many different backgrounds, colors, you know, um, ages, and, and it's a beautiful thing. That, that's truly God. But we're going to rub each other the wrong way. Especially, I mean, Pastor Kathy grew up South Central LA. So I invite friends here that are from very sweet areas that have never experienced hard knocks. And pastor comes in, and her tone of voice, they're like, oh my god. <laughs> and so I think it's just important to understand context of, of people, of backgrounds. And if we don't understand that, we have the ability to hear and to go before the Lord of understanding intent and what we're actually looking at. And so repenting for where we're playing a part in offense, and maybe we are the ones who are the offenders, even though we're offended. And then after seeking the Lord on that, you know, if you need to go to your brother or sister, go to them. Go to them lovingly. That's so much better than holding it. And that, that's not fair either to the other person who's like, I didn't know you were mad at me. I've been mad at you for five years. You're like, I have no idea. I don't even remember what I said. So that's not fair. And so it's okay if you're hurt. Find a way through the leaning and unctioning of the Holy Spirit if you need to come to somebody to come to them. And if you don't know how to, sometimes I've just had to be like, hey, I just gotta let this off my chest and, and I'm sorry, but like this is, this is how I feel. And so that way you can talk it out and maybe it's a total misunderstanding. And it's just like, oh, I thought you said this. No, I didn't say that, I said that. But we'll never know if we don't give each other the opportunity and the love to understand. And if it says if, if you take something to someone and they don't listen and they're still hard in their ways, then you bring two people, right? Then you bring three people. And then it's like after a million people, then you're like, okay, they say treat them like a sinner or a tax collector, which doesn't mean treat them like the enemy. It means that person has, you know, is imperfect in their relationship with God. And I got to treat them like someone who's not a part of this church. Not that they're not a part of this church, but that I can't expect them to be in that spiritual place that I'm in because there's something that is awry in their relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? So, any questions? Scripture, scripture 
from Matthew 18. Oh, thank you. 15 to... Right, but we like to say if a believer sins against you, go privately, point it out, or tell somebody else about it privately, and don't tell the person, and then that person didn't repent, and so now I'm treating them like a sinner and a tax collector. So we like miss all the steps. So this is, this is just wisdom of how we can operate in love as we offend each other, because we will. We will continue to go forward and offend each other. But I love you guys. And you are all my brothers and sisters, and it's it's gonna be a journey. But we have amazing things to do for God, and we just we just don't got time for this. We just don't. I'm so tired of the wilderness. Can we get out of it? I've asked the Lord. Can we please? Not 40 years. So, if we want to walk into the dominion that He's called this church to do, it's time. To not allow those things to have their way anymore. Okay, so now we can go and wrap up uh, in the good part of Joshua 8. If you don't mind reading that, to you. Yeah, so really quickly, again, the haram. Again, these are the things, and as Pastor was mentioning, we don't go home and try to fix this. He wants us to haram, set it apart for him so that he can destroy it. Amen. But you can't, he can't touch it if you're hoarding it. And we skipped through it, but you can go back to chapter 7. They find the guy who's hiding the silver, who wasn't listening, who's hoarding all these things that were supposed to be set apart for destruction. And they, Old Testament, him. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> You know, they make sure it's destroyed so that they can move forward. And so for us, and Pastor, you can confirm that it's it's uh, our own ideas. We are, as TQFM, Harami to Jesus, the fear of the unknown, and criticism, which is judgment and self, of self and others. And for those who are newer in the house, your own ideas of what you think you're right about. You think you're right. You have to crush that. I'm not right. There's no justification for the things in which we do. We know it's wrong, but we, we justify it by saying, this was done to me, so they deserve it. Imagine what we deserve. And God doesn't give it to us. Mm -hmm. Think of it from that particular point. Wow, imagine if God came and brought judgment on us. Yeah. Would we still be here if he brought that judgment? Yeah. I know I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Okay? Okay, I wouldn't go a long time ago. Okay? <laughs> Just the thought that he was coming after me, I think I would have died. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you know you can repent for other people? Yes. Praise God. I've been looking up something called uh, intercessory repentance. And so, you're like, that person's never going to change. You can actually repent on their behalf. That's how loving God is. Because he says on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mind you, you got to let go of your own judgment first. Because you're like, I'm repenting for this and that and that, that they did. But if you, if you come before the Lord, you can repent for people and give them the opportunity to see their, their ways. Because a lot of times... It's the sin that's holding them captive, and they can't, they're blind. They can't even see where they're erring. So, as we repent and, and intercede for them, their eyes are opened and they're able to see and make changes. And do yourself a favor as you repent and Don't go to them and tell them unless God tells you. No, well, I just repented for you. <laughs> Secrets with God, so yes, yes. Um, private lock and key, unless the Lord says share this. Yes. Okay, let's read. And he might want a nap. Thank you, thank you for the the caretaking in the back. Joshua chapter eight, verse one. Then the Lord said to Joshua, "Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack AI." For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. Wow. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night with these orders. Hide an ambush close behind the town and be ready for action. When your men, when your main army attacks the men of AI, they'll come out to fight as they did before, and we will run away from them. We will let them chase us until we have drawn them away from the town, for they will say, the Israelites are running away from us as they did before. Then, while we are running from them, you will jump up from your ambush and take possession of the town. For the Lord your God will give it to you. Set the town on fire as the Lord has commanded. You have your orders. So they left and went to the place of ambush between Bethel and the west side of Ai. But Joshua remained among the people in the camp that night. Early the next morning, Joshua rose his men and started toward Ai, accompanied by the elders of Israel. All the fighting men who were with Joshua marched in front of the town and camped on the north side of Ai, with a valley between them and the town. That night, Joshua sent about 5,000 men to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of the town. So they stationed the main army north of the town and the ambush west of the town. Joshua himself spent that night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites across the valley, he and all his army hurried out early in the morning and attacked the Israelites at a place overlooking the Jordan Valley. But he didn't realize that there was an ambush behind the town. Joshua and the Israelite army fled toward the wilderness as they were badly beaten. Then all the men in the town were called out to chase after them. In this way, they were lured away from the town, 
There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after the Israelites, and the town was left wide open. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Point to the spear in your hand, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I have handed the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their possession position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky, and they now and they had nowhere to go, for the Israelites had fled in the direction of the wilderness, now uh, turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and that the smoke was rising from the town, they turned and attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle with the Israelites' fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them, and not a single person survived or escaped. Only the king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. And you can stop there. So, and I will just say the entire population was wiped out 12,000. And the king was impaled. <laughs> um, and all of at this time, the things that the Lord had said, you know, uh, with Jericho, devote this to destruction, he gave to the Israelites the gold, the silver, the livestock, all of the provision. So what the Lord showed me with this is that with obedience comes fresh revelation, strategy, provision, and blessings. I don't know what else to say about that, but you see and hear in this scripture, the strategy God gave was very different. And, and with that, they completely conquered what they thought was too big for them. And so that is what the Lord has for us. From And after this, they go from glory to glory to glory to glory, just dominate, 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 dominate. Like it's not even, I'd love to make a movie about this, but like there's no... No other battle that, that is a challenge. It's just easy. And so with that, I speak that over this congregation as we continue to partner with him to harem and to excommunicate the spirit of criticism uh, with fear, our own ideas, condemnation, that those things no longer are allowed to remain in this church. And as they come up, we will lovingly partner with the Holy Spirit of how to stand against them and not allow them to return in different facets or, or ways. And with that, the Lord will do what he promised over this church and take us from glory to glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Lord literally said to me, it's not done yet. So you have to adhere to his instructions. And as you are here for his instruction, then he will do what's needed. So, taking the counseling, asking for forgiveness, that's the same thing that came forth in the message. They had to adhere to the instructions. And so the Lord is literally saying, he gave you instruction. I think each and every one of you got instruction. And it's about you adhering to the instructions and God gives the rest. He, he kept saying to me, she's not gone. She may not be in your presence, but she's not gone. And so the key here, what are you going to do to follow the Lord? Because everybody in here loves a man of God. Okay? A man of God. Did you get it on the A man of God. Yes, Lord. That stands for him and does what's right. Nothing can take away from a man of God. Okay? We're like, whoa, man of God. Okay? We, we seek them out because they're few and far between. Amen. Amen. And that's what We seek them out because they're few and far between. And that's what he's calling you to be. Amen. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Do you want to close them out? Yes. Wow. Oh, 
the answers. He said, you want to say to them this, I don't have the answers. I don't have the strategy. A lot of times, when I'm opening my mouth, you guys will swerve and down, I hear before I speak it. There's times where I hear things before I speak it, or he'll entice me with one or two words, and then the rest of the words that comes out of my mouth, I just say it. I don't know what I'm saying. I just say it because I trust him. Do you get it? I trust him. So as I'm speaking to you, you hear all that stuff that I'm saying about you, right? And, and, it's, and it's real and it's verifiable. But if you were to ask me outside of the spirit of God, I'd be like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what I said to you. Exactly. Yes. Because they're not my words. Do you hear me? It's not me that's speaking. I'm just saying, Lord, use this vessel. That's all I'm saying. And then using this vessel, I just hear and I say it real fast. Okay? I understand why I have a squeaky voice. Okay? Because it, it makes you say, oh my God, that squeaky lady is talking. But I'm not perfect in my speech. I've mastered the English language, so I'm literally saying to you. And I don't have all the wisdom that some of these people in this room have. And the main reason why I'm going through this is because it's as simple as me just saying, but I trust you, Lord. You know, even when I think he failed me, do you get what I'm saying? Because there's some times I think God just didn't show up, okay? I hope really you get it. And he didn't show up like he normally shows up and show up, okay? There's times where I say, are you here? the only song that I knew of Christian at the time. 
And I used to sing that song because it used to touch my heart. But today on the way, Maverick remade the song. And I was listening to it. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, that was the words. That was words. It was like he brought me into a place where I could hear. And it was like I had to listen. And so I'm, I'm saying listen for a reason. Your heart speaks because it's the doorway into every spiritual thing that's about you because we are a spiritual being. And as you have heard the message today, you're asking God to deal with what you hold in that keeps you outside of everything he has for you. You only know. You only know what's keeping you outside. And if that person that keeps thinking they're supposed to be perfect, surrender that. Okay, because God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who are willing. Don't you get it? He's not looking because you keep going trying to be perfect. And you keep messing up. And I mess up just as much as you do. And I'm only but I keep getting up and that's all he cares. And so in that place, whatever's the hindrance, even feeling unworthy, because you keep going to that unworthy. And, and, and it's so important that you see that God's just after you. He don't care about all that other stuff. He's after you. He don't care about where you've been. He's after you. Okay? Oh, I tried not to do that, but it keeps coming. He knows the battle. That's why he died for us. And so eyes closed. And I even will go forward and say hands lifted for those of you because when you lift your hands, it's something that you 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 no longer focus because God, it's, it's hard to sometimes hold your hands up in the presence of God. But we. See yourself reaching for him. Come on, reach for him. And as you're reaching for him, you're saying, Lord, I let go of me. Let go of you. See yourself falling to the ground. See, everything that's about you that you don't like, especially stuff you don't like, see falling over you. You know, I would see it like, like water hitting the ground. I would, I would see like, I'm melting. Okay, you know, crazy things because this is how I see things in the spirit. And so, Lord, as I melt, you know, like a candle when it when it when it begins to drip down, as it set on fire, and you become liquid form to Christ. Get it? As you become that liquid form to Christ, just let Christ move on the inside. Let Christ move on the inside of you. Let Christ move on the inside of you. And in that place, we're all just saying, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. You need to take over. And if you're asking God to take over, for those of you who have been outside of the relationship, reestablish the relationship by saying, Lord, you back in the driver's seat. Have your way in my life. And if you never ask God to be in the driver's seat, simply say, Lord, take over this vessel. Lead me in your path of righteousness for your name's sake. Not for my own desire, but for your name's sake. And if you ask him to lead you, just believe that even now, as you reach toward him, he's taking the wheel and he's leading you in accordance to what he's called for, what he established from the beginning. And in that place, say, Lord, I belong to you. I belong to you. Do what you want with me. Come on, let's say, I belong to you.
what you want me. Do what you want with me. But never leave me. Never leave me as your word says. And rescue me from the places where I fall short. Oh Lord, I need your hand to continue to rescue me from the places where I shall fall. You haven't seen God being real in your life. I ask a different prayer. And that simple prayer is to literally say, I want to believe. Help my unbelief by showing me in any way you choose that you're real, alive, and before me. Even now. is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry we pray that you will partner with us by giving you can visit our website tqfm.org also remember to subscribe for more messages like this